You're very welcome along to the Brian and Kieran Warfield podcast, the ramblings of two Irish balladeers, featuring Brian Warfield of the fierce and mighty Wolf Tones and his son Kieran, that's me, of the band Catalpa and also of the bandwagon bus Dublin's only musical ballad tour on wheels. So sit back, relax, grab a tea, coffee, beer or wine or whatever takes your fancy as we go rambling through life's misty foggy dew through stories, songs, history, politics, life on the road, and just a general bit of crack. Okay, you're welcome along to episode number four, and as per usual, we're calling it after a song off the very first Wolf Tone album, which was The Foggy Dew, recorded in 1965 on Fontana Records, and song number four was a song called The Galway Races. <laughs> I remember them well. <laughs> I remember them well, too. I tell you, I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever won anything at The Galway Races, but I always uh, had a good time. We used to play like um, Chuck Furbo um, during the Galway races. I, oh, my God, we'd have huge crowds. Um, Chuck Furbo was a great place. I used to love going down there as a child. Unique yeah. place, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, like, it was brilliant. Yeah. And you know something, the best lobster I ever had in my life was in Chuck Furbo. They used to have the lobster pots down on the, uh, on the edge of the ocean there. Um, they'd pull up a special lobster puff for me. <laughs> and uh, the chef had put it on then, and after the gig at night, I go in there and eat a lobster. It was fantastic. Wow, that sounds the like... The best I ever had. And plenty of pints of Guinness to wash Oh, that. yeah, I could... <laughs> I remember oh the little bar. I'd love I, one now. I remember the little bar in it. Uh, they had a pool table downstairs. You walk down the stairs to a That's pool right, table. That's right, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then they had, was there upturned curricks? Trees, trees. Was there upturned curricks on the bar, along the bar? No. No. No, no, no. They were on the outside. Oh, they were on the outside, yeah, yeah. 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 But I remember, yeah, the trees in the hotel had the river running down <laughs> yeah. through the middle of it. That's where the Atlantic Coast Hotel is now, for anyone. That's that right, it's the same yeah. one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think, you know, the way Bill Fuller built it, it was so unique Yeah, at was, the time. It was an outdoor swimming pool. That's right, yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't swim in it. No, <laughs> no, I wouldn't swim in it either. It was, it was filthy dirty. But, uh, yeah, it was a strange place, but a great place. And, and you know, we, we used to have Marty in Staunton, uh, who was a great boxer, and he, we had him do the security himself and his mate. Yeah, used to do security on the on the on the door, and we always saw that you know, Marty was a legend. Yeah, he was a legend to you know a heavyweight boxing champion of the world. Really? Yeah, and oh. and uh, he he fought in the theatre royal. I think I guess in the forties or. So for three. anyone that doesn't know the theatre royal, <laughs> where it was located, it was. It was a, a great big theatre in Dublin uh, that held like 5,000 people. It's a stunning place. like Unbelievable. But if it's located where Marks and... No, not Marks and Spencer's, where Penny's is now. 
I, I don't know what's there now. Or what's it's, it's down the side lane of G, is it GPO, the, uh, GPO, isn't it? Was no, that? no, no. You, you oh, the Theatre Royal is over the other side, was over the other you, side of the river. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. where the the big uh, building big is. office building. Yeah, and they're going to knock it down. That's where they had the home sweet home. Uh, they they took over the keys of, of the building and they put the homeless people in it for the Christmas. Really? To yeah, get them a yeah, home, yeah. 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 Oh, what was the name of that? Anyhow, the story continues with uh, he was fighting in Dublin um, for the heavyweight champion once again defending and I don't know whether who, we, who he was fighting but um, the whole of Ireland had their shirts on it uh, when they backed him back to Marcin and it's reputed that Marcin uh, threw the fight right. and lost and uh, he retired after that uh, down to Connemara Right, uh, where he owned a lot of property and he had a local pub there in Spidel and uh, he'd done security for us uh, when we were down Chuck Furbo right. for years and years and years but um, he was a great character but his buddy his buddy um, that worked there I can't remember his name but um, he was a, we, used to, we used to think like you know I'd, I'd be buying the pints because it looked like fellas that didn't have, have any money. <laughs> <laughs> and they were loaded. <laughs> you know, but um, it was said that um, when the other man died, uh, the nurse was telling me that uh, under his bed they found like 48,000. Yeah, and we, we were buying them pints all, <laughs> all year long. <laughs> that happened to me in... Ratcool, and I used to go to buy me meat over in Ratcool, and there was a vegetable shop there, and there was a little old man in the vegetable shop. I can't remember his name for the life of me, but I'd go in and buy me vegetables off him, and he wore this tart, tatty old jumper with was like holes in it and all that. So anytime I'd go to the Ratcool Inn for a pint, and I'd see him, I'd buy him a pint and a whiskey because I feel sorry for him. And then one time I went down to get me meat, and well going into the vegetable shop but the vegetable shop was locked up and I went back into the butchers and I said uh, what is he is, is he alright or has he passed or and he says oh no 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 he's closed up now he says uh, he's made his money I said what do you mean he's made his money he says uh, do you know that land that was down off the city west there uh, shopping centre I said yeah, yeah he says sold that for 40 million <laughs> <laughs> He never bought me a pint back. <laughs> there you go. Forty million, the more you have. <laughs> Would you swear this man didn't have a penny? He drove an old van, you know. Mm. But he, apparently, they offered him twenty million, but he held it for forty <laughs> million. My God. Yeah, well, that's the way it goes. Some have the luck, and good luck to them. Yeah. I've, I've no envy of anybody. If you do well in life, but it's your luck. Them, like holding out for <laughs> double <laughs> price. <laughs> But I go back to the Chuck Furbo. I remember going down there as a kid, and obviously remember the queues. There used to be huge queues to get in there from an early like. That's right. Uh, to be queuing for air to get a good seat. But it was, it was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, well, you see, I think before the, those uh, strict uh, drink driving uh, laws that came in, um, people were more flexible. They could go, you know, to yeah. go further out. I remember uh, for a show. I remember seeing an ad on. Uh, it was an old ad from uh, the Garda program that used to be on on RT, and the guard was saying, "Lads, if you're gonna have that, if you you know before you have that sixth point, you know you're on your fourth or fifth, 
maybe just don't have that sixth. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't get away with it today. You'd be lucky if you could have that. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, a, like a glass of beer. Most people, like when you look, at it, I, I think they went overboard with it. You know, yeah. you know, not even one drop. Uh, I don't believe in that because when I was living in Inchicore there, there was fellas there that could drink ten pints of Guinness, and they could still put three darts into one little piece of uh, dartboard <laughs> consistently. Like, and I'd be sober and I couldn't do that with one dart. But, you know, they, they, they could do it. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing that uh, the skill that they had um, and, you know, they could have 10 points of stout and they could still do it. Yeah. But uh, that used to be the way in the darts. I remember watching Jockey Wilson and what was the other... The English, the crafty Cockney. I remember watching them play darts, but they'd be swamping the points. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the same with snooker, I suppose. Snooker was synonymous yeah, yeah. with, with Now drinking. they don't allow it anymore on TV, no. you see. No. It promotes um, alcohol, I guess. And smoking, the same for smoking. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, the smoking thing, yeah, but, uh, you know, I think uh, I think a fella coming back from work uh, should be allowed to have up to two pints. You know, Ooh, controversial, controversial. Yeah, it's controversial, yeah. but I, that's what I believe. Yeah, you know, like I think people that have had, um, you know, people killed or children killed um, by drunk drivers. Now I've no time for anybody who goes and gets guttered and drives a car. Yeah, but I've no problem with someone going out and having a couple of glasses of wine with his dinner and his wife. And driving home after that, I have no problem with that. Yeah. And I don't think there should be. Well, I was a very naughty boy when I was younger because we live in the desolate hills of Wicklow. <laughs> and there was no, you couldn't get a taxi around here. Like, there's no chance you could get a taxi. Like, and many times I got stranded in Ballymore, used and had to walk home. There you go. Yeah, but, yeah, it was just, I think it was one of those things, though. I think everybody drove, you know, with a, with a few pints to the pub. Even then in the British Inn, like those people came from Tala and Yeah, but at the same time, like I think when we had the British Inn there, we, you know, anybody that got uh, scuttered, they weren't allowed to drive their car home. They got a lift home for some way or other, you know. I don't know about that. <laughs> anyway, back to the Galway races. The Galway races last year, was the first time it was cancelled ever in its history. And that goes back to 17th of August, 1869. Oh my God! Uh, I remember that year well. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time it's ever been cancelled, and good chance it'll be cancelled this year again. But the forty thousand people turned up for the first one, and it was promoted by the railways and everything. So anyone could bring their horse on the railway free of charge to bring it to the, to enter into a race to try and get people, people uh, down, involved. Yeah, in it. But yeah. the rail companies were very much a part of um, of bringing it to the success that it became. But I was looking at some of the names of the stewards at the time, and it was obviously very anglified. There was the Marquis, the Clan Rick oh, Rickard. Yeah, yeah. Clan Rickard, yeah. Lord Clare Morris and Captain Blake Foster. Oh, yeah, 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 Davy Yeah, And it was just Foster Square in, in Galway. I wonder, is that named after him? Someone else? Don't know. Maybe tell us. Anyway, it was... Uh, I was down at the Galway races one time and I was just, and I, you don't know this story because I know that because I asked you before we, we started it. And uh, my experience of the Galway races, I think I would have been about 17 or 18 years of age. And uh, at the time I was working part-time in the 
British, you know, I was a college down in Carlow and uh, I got invited. Um, my mother said to me, there's a certain policeman is running a... a He's providing, i get this right. Security. Well, not, not security. She said, you'd be taking money at the gate and that's all you have to do for the whole day and a certain amount of money a day. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that for the crack. For the, I think it was for six days. Went down on a Sunday and the, the meeting was for four days at the time. I think it's six or seven now. And uh, so I had this vision of me sitting in a little box, taking money off people, going in, being all happy. And then once everybody was in, Having a totter around the races, doing a bit of a, a bit of um, gambling or whatever, and just having a bit of crack yeah. in the evenings, you know, going to the bars and listening to the music and whatever. And then uh, we went down with two other lads from. I met them in Sagard, and uh, they were mad as hatters too. Great crack, great crack. They were like much older than me. They were would have been I, seventeen, eighteen. They would have been thirty five, forty years of age. Like, but they were two mad jokes altogether. And I think we stopped in Moat on the way down. We stopped in Valnaslow for pints on the way. Down. way. And then we got down, and uh, the, the 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 guard that we we uh, was involved in it gave us these um, walkie talkies, and uh, told me to go to the back gate by myself. And I said, "What am I doing?" He gave me a piece of paper. This is what you charge the vans coming in if they come up to the gate and. You know, so it was, it was all the hawkers that were selling yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was completely <clears throat> not what I thought it was. So I went up to the gate and I'm sitting there and it was, it was just, all there was was a, you know, one of these aluminium gates, you know, tubular aluminium gates. Yeah. And uh, at the back of the race course, right over the back of the race course. And uh, so about two hours into my shift, there's no sign of ending. And then a, a load of travellers pulled up and I'm going, oh, jeez, this is not going to end well. And uh, so the guy gets out, he says, I, he says, uh, I counted out, it was three vans or whatever, I says, uh, that's going to be, he says, it's going to be nothing. He says, you're going to open them gates and let me in. I said, no, I can't do that. I, I, I really can't do that. I says, I, I have a thing here, I have to charge you. And he goes, no. He says, I'm going to climb that gate now, I'm going to open it, and you try and stop me. So I was on the radio, hello, anybody there? <laughs> I need help at the back gate. No sign of the radio wasn't working. I said, "Well, I looked at the radio. I said, this is this is not going to end well. Your mum is getting more irate, not more irate." So I just opened up the gate. I said, "Come on in, lads. Get <laughs> <laughs> your feet. <laughs> Have a nice time." I went down, I walked down to the to where your man was, Con. I said, "That radio is not working." I said, "You can keep your radio. You can keep your job. I'm getting the train home to Dublin." <laughs> and I went up. I had a couple of pints and. In a pub up in Foster Square, just off past Foster Square, and went home. And I was back training for Blessing and fo- Football Club on the Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> so that was my experience of the Galway races. I haven't been back since, but uh, it's really like it's come on leaps and bounds. But one thing I do remember is the music and the atmosphere and the vibrancy and the, yeah, you know yeah. the the whole thing around Galway and what it brings to it. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it, I love going down to Galway. Um, just to walk the streets of Galway because there's so many interesting characters down there. Yeah, yeah. it really is. A, it's a great place for art and culture. Town. Yeah, a great town. Yeah, and it's probably Ireland's festival. I think there's 120 something festivals there normally on a normal year without COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 
So Galway is well supplied with festivals. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we had the we had, we had great times there during the races. The races were, you know, you'd meet all the characters coming in um, to uh, our gig. You know what I mean? There'd be people there you hadn't seen for years, like uh, back from England, back from America, footballers. You know, there was all kinds of people. But um, the song of the Galway Race, I think, is a great song. And it's probably set... Um, it probably set... What, did you say, what year did you say it started? 1869 was the first. 69, yeah. yeah. Because the song, the song mentions the Fenian prisoners from dying in foreign places. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that oh, yeah. that would have been yeah, 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 that would would have been eighteen seventy three. So it sets the time of that song probably just after the opening of the Galway races, mm. which is amazing. Yeah, so it's plenty. It just of that. shows you that song does tell the story in a real and true way. Yeah, you know. But there's a lot of uh, songs that have a hidden Fenian. Well, there could be classes like we talked about in the last episode that about a rebel song, but it has that underlying rebel theme, like the, the Hot Ash Felt, that has a bit of a rebel theme, isn't it, doesn't it? Yeah, no, well, I, I, think, I think you see, it was in the Irish psychic, like that uh, everything, the same in Glasgow, like uh, with the Irish in Glasgow, they, they supported every every uprising in Ireland. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Darcy McGee, when he was trying to get people back to Ireland to fight, uh, one of the places he went to was Glasgow. He w- they were sent in all different directions, different places, trying to recruit. But, um, you know, the people in Glasgow, like in 1916, uh, came back to Ireland mm. to fight. Um, so they had supported Ireland in every, every aspect of its uh, revolutions. So why aren't they entitled to do the rebel song now and again? Yeah. And I was listening to a podcast today about uh, Countess Markovic and uh, they were talking about Glasgow, you know, in, in terms of they sent back, through Connolly's connections, they sent back a lot of explosives and stuff for the... Yeah, yeah, Margaret Skinner used to carry them. Yeah. She used to carry them in her, in like in her, in her clothes. Yeah. yeah. And the women wore big clothes then, back then. And another thing about the Galway races I didn't know, which was the WB Yeats wrote a poem about it. Uh, WB Yeats, yeah. And I wrote it out so that uh, I could uh, read it to you, so why not? I'll give it a go here. There were the courses, the light makes all of the one mind. The riders upon the galloping horses, the crowd that closes in behind. We too had good attendance once, hearers and heartners of the work. I, horseman for companions, before the merchant and the clerk. Breathed on the world with timid breath. Sing on somewhere at some new moon. We learn that sleeping is not death, hearing the whole world change its tune. Its flesh being wild and at it again, crying aloud as the race course is, and we find heartners among men that ride upon horses. And I know Jack B. Yates uh, has... um has a, a drawing of, of the Galway races and it's um, it's of the ballad singers yeah. uh, standing around singing songs and uh, he says something about um, the, the ballad singers singing seditious 
songs. So that meant rebel songs of <laughs> some sort of glory. So I'm going to change the name of Catalpa to the Catalpa the Seditious Band <laughs> rather than the Rebel Band. <laughs> it sounds much better. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's always that Rebel song and that Rebel and the Irish people and, uh, it, it, you know, it wasn't... I think uh, I was reading some book there where he's describing the Irish ballad singers and the Irish ballad singer would suss out his audience, whether you know, whether he what he could sing and what what uh, would go down with his audience. Yeah. And um, if people asked, like he would ask, if what type of song would they like? Yeah. And uh, one of the type of songs would be a good old Irish song. Yeah. Which meant uh, a song, a rebel song. So. It's a delicious song. It's a delicious song. So, yeah, it's been around, of course. I mean, we love telling our story, and, you know, that uh, because we are kept down so much and put down for um, for even singing, like a copy of God Save Ireland put you in prison. Mm. Uh, flying the tricolor put you in prison. Mm. So, like, um, you know, we had that spirit of, you know, we're not going to stand down. We're going to stand up. The wearing of the green. Yeah. So that's why, you know, the wearing of the green, you go on St. Patrick's Day in in uh, New York or anywhere else and you see all the green and people, people in Ireland say, you know, what's all these Yankees doing with the green? Yeah. Uh, it's it's because they're defined of the fact that they were not allowed to wear it in Ireland before their ancestors left. Yeah. So that was the that, the importance of the green yeah. in in all the bits of clothing and everything else. Yeah, amazing story. Yeah, I've been in America for St Patrick's Day, and they do celebrate a big style on there. They really do. Um, I was I played in Hoboken. Yeah, well, yeah. I think my first St Patrick's Day was back in nineteen sixty six in in the US. I could have been sixty seven, but I still have photographs of it. I was, it was so unique to me. I took yeah. photographs, and um, was last year the first time you've been in Ireland for St Patrick's Day? No, no, no. We one other occasion. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. We we were either in England, Australia, or America. Right. Uh, one time we played uh, the Albert Hall in London, mm. and uh, I remember um, that's the big round, the one, big round yeah. thing. Yeah, we yeah. played that. We were part of a program. Uh, we weren't. Uh, we weren't fun, headlining. Yeah. And uh, I think it was who, who was head. I can't remember now. But Eileen, um, uh, Brady Gallagher. Did you play seditious songs? Yeah, we, <laughs> we did. We were playing the Foggy Jewel at that stage. Um, it was Brady Gallagher was headlining, and she was a lovely lady. I've heard some of her songs. Very, 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 very popular with the Irish all over the world. She was huge in Glasgow, wasn't she? Huge every everywhere the Irish were. She was huge, and um, you know, she was. She would have been old school. You know, another generation removed from us. Like, yeah. And uh, she was um, like that. Albert Hall on that that day we played it at that St Patrick's night was filled to the brim. You couldn't even. Find a seat, you know. It was just unbelievable, and it was a first big experience of a huge, big show like that. 
And, and my legs felt a little bit like jelly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we, we, we got through it and uh, we, we, we received very well. How long and, did you play for? Pardon? How long was your oh, set? Oh, probably about 15 minutes. Oh, uh, it's yeah, not too long. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, it was a great opportunity for us to get on a stage in front of such a uh, gathering of people. Do you remember the songs you sang? Foggy Jew would have been oh, yeah, one. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the other ones. Probably Dicey Riley, probably, you know. Yeah. Could be in the one road or, you know, Nation once again. I remember the first time I, I played the Barrowlands <clears throat> and uh, I'd only started out playing, like, you know, and I wasn't really very used to <laughs> playing on stage. And uh, the, we were on very early because you had to... Uh, two other bands playing. I think Adelante were another band that were playing. I know Chris now from Adelante, uh, become good friends. But um, the, uh, the I was, I myself, it was only the two of us and, you know, the Barland stage is a big stage. Like you, Well, you have three of, three of you now, but mm. it's a big stage for two people that are sure not very is. confident. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, and there wasn't that many people, but enough people to, that I was quite nervous. Like, you know, and at the time I was playing a bit, one of your old banjos, the Alvarez, the Mexican banjo. And uh, I had a long lead on it that I had to plug into the DI box. The lead was stuck into the back of the banjo from the cheap pickup that I had. Yeah. And uh, so I, I didn't want to introduce ourselves because I was too nervous, so I, I was, I'll get Phil to do it. So I said to Phil, are you nervous? He says, I'm shitting. I says, oh, oh, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to introduce us because I have to plug the banjo in. So by the time I get down and you know people are gonna be waiting, yeah. I said, you introduce us. He goes, oh, geez, I don't know. I said, look, you'd be grand. I was trying to pretend I was cool. I said, you'd be grand. Just pretend you're in your granny's. I said, just think you're singing for your granny, not for anybody else, and don't even look at the people. Just look up at the lights. So two of us walked on stage and everything went silent, and I bent down to plug in the the banjo into the DI box. And all I could hear was Phil saying, how are you, Granny? <laughs> and with that, the two of us just started laughing. And that was it. Like, the nerves were gone and we got through the set. Like, well, just, just brilliant, like, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, everybody in the audience is looking around to see if... Because he's looking... There's <laughs> Granny here today. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, great icebreaker, I have to say. Yeah. And it was a fantastic thing, like, just, just to come off that stage. It was... It, gave me huge confidence in terms of going forward and playing yeah, music because yeah, I didn't yeah. have that many gigs under my belt. I think we'd played the Raccoon in a few times, you know, and yeah. not many gigs. So so it was a great experience. And the night before, we played in the Folger and Big John Aiken came down from, uh, from Lockerbie. Lockerbie yeah. And we had a good few drinks and we got on stage and your man in, uh, in Folger, the Folger bar, it's gone now. It was on, on St. Vincent Street. And uh, he said whatever, no rebel songs. This was the time, you know, when rebel songs were taboo in, in yeah, Glasgow. Yeah, band. Yeah. So we said, yeah, no problem. So we got, got on stage and we played away and, and uh, at the end of it, we had these five songs we finished off with, you know. And uh, the crowd were liking what we were doing and we were getting a bit more, you know, and the, yeah, yeah. the pints were flowing because we were only staying in the hotel around the corner. And uh, so... Phil goes to me, held up the five fingers, and I went, why not? <laughs> so he lashed it, which was the five five songs was uh, the Boys of the Overgate, the the uh, Celtic Symphony, 
going home British soldiers <laughs> and <laughs> the boys of the brigade uh, uh, anyway, so you finished off with a bang. I finished, and the crowd were absolutely gone mental in the fault. It was great. John Aiken was loving it. He was breaking his heart laughing. And uh, your man came up after the gig and says, You'll never play here. <laughs> we, we didn't care. We just yeah, had the, the best right. night ever. Yeah. Well, I think our, our big experience now in Glasgow, and I'll never forget it, is um, when we played the Apollo, the Apollo Theatre in in Glasgow, it's now gone, they knocked it. Oh, yeah. I think it was knocked about, it started knocking about two what, weeks after we played there. What part of Glasgow was it? Uh, I can't remember the name of the yeah. street now, it's just in the what middle of town. It was in the middle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, and uh, we played the place, the place was stuffed to the gills, sold out. And uh, I remember um, there was a huge stage, like it was probably about 13, 14 feet high. And I remember during the gig, like, people were climbing up the, the stage just to get on the stage, and they'd, they'd give a big wave to the crowd, a crowded cheer. Yeah. The bouncers would go... <laughs> Throw them out. <laughs> Throw them out. <laughs> and then another fellow come up again. And it was so funny. But the, at, the end of the, at the end of the concert, like, um, uh, the, the people that were running the show said, you know... Um, I know this place is closing, or uh, they're not going to in two weeks' time, but i got to tell you that the bands are responsible for any damage that happens in the hall. <laughs> so I looked down, and there was rows and rows of seats collapsed all over the place. <laughs> there was a couple of... I, people knew it was going to be knocked in a couple of weeks, yeah. but they slapped us with the bill anyhow, and we got a, a big bill. That was probably a little more than we got paid for. Jeez. So I said, I don't give a shit. I said, that night was worth any kind of money. And if it, I can't remember the, the cost of the damage and everything. was over £3,000. And uh, we just paid it over. I said, that was well worth it. And, I, you know, I do it again. It's, yeah. People will tell you, we'd been held out of Glasgow for so long. And when we did get the opportunity to play the Apollo, I know it was just before it was going to be knocked, but uh, when we got the opportunity to play it, you know, people just went crazy. The tickets sold out like crazy because, you know, we couldn't get in anywhere in, in Glasgow. But um, we did night that I will never forget. As they say about the Titanic, it was a night to remember. <laughs> was that 70s or 80s? 70s, I... I, I Probably eighties, I think. Probably, I can't remember the year. I'm terrible at remembering times and years and names and things like that. But um, yeah, it was just unbelievable. And after that, after that, they knocked the place, and we, I think, we eventually got into the barrows after much uh, talk with the police and everything else like that. And uh, we got in, and once again, we had some great nights in Glasgow again. But it's always been funny, um, you know. The police are very awkward about it. They, they, any little excuse at all, they, they, they want to ban you. Yeah. You know, but you have to, you have to go along and uh, just yeah, I remember get on with it. A couple of years ago, or maybe I think it was like yourself, and it's probably about five or six years ago when we were there, and uh, someone said there was a gun shot outside. And it made the press and all that. And I remember coming out, like you always leave early and 
I we hang on to the death and trying to drink off the end of our cans, and uh, eventually got thrown out of the Paralands. And I remember coming down the stairs. Now I'd put up a drink on me now at this stage, you know, mm. because you know when you're yourself when you come off the stage and you're buzzing from well, you're, yeah. you're well used to it. But I was buzzing anyway. And uh, we wa- I walked down the stairs and. And I came out and there was loads of police all on the ground, all on their hands and knees. And I was like, <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> Holding my hands up, wasn't me, wasn't me. <laughs> I've just gone this way. And then the next day it was all over the press that there was a gunshot outside the thing. Yeah, I went crazy over yeah. that. There, there wasn't a gunshot. There was just, no. It was, cause I was talking to other people that said it was just at some, either something back, backfiring or November to Guy Fawkes. Yeah, the crackers, yeah. Yeah, to be off around that yeah, time. Yeah. It was just... It was an excuse to to, to harass the. Yeah. They put it in the papers that, uh, and the papers took it over here in Ireland as well. I remember, yeah, yeah. And uh, I challenged it everywhere, and I eventually I did write uh, to our uh, ambassador, and uh, I got onto the um, Edinburgh to the uh, people in Edinburgh, and I challenged it all. I said, "This is not a fact. There was no gunshots." It had nothing to do with the Wolf Tones. The Wolf Tones were uh, finished out their concert. People enjoyed themselves and went home quietly. There was no problems mm. whatsoever, and there never is. Yeah. But uh, you see, they, this is the type of thing, and I said, if I let this go, you know, people are going to believe, yeah, there's, there's um, gunfights and all at the Wolf Tones shows, which they latch on to, and it's just, there's not a single truth in it. Yeah. But that's the way they can blacken... Your name and get you banned and get you a, a bad name. That oh, you don't go to their concerts. There's going to be a fight there. People believe that stuff yeah. if they see it in the paper, and it was not even near the truth. Yeah. And if there was anything um, that happened, it certainly wasn't to do with the Wolf Tone show. But even if it was a firecracker, yeah. uh, it had nothing to do with our people. No, no, no. And so that the important thing is that we got the message across that uh, don't believe these stories you believe in the pa- you see in yeah. the papers. I've I have copies of those yeah. stuff. And the East End of Glasgow wouldn't be the quietest place in the world anyway, regardless no, but of but I the... mean, it's, it's, it's normal. Yeah. Normal stuff. Yeah. You know, fish and chips after the show or... Roll smarts, no, like I said, I've 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 never seen trouble after the Wolf Tone never, speech. Had, or, never had, never before. had, and, and never will. Uh, you know? Everybody's generally in good form. Now I, you do get the odd asshole that's had a lot of drink, but that's just part and parcel of gigs. And uh, I remember going to the Late Late Show uh, one time, and 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 uh, to, well, like probably a lot of people won't notice, but when normally when they're interviewing people, they have plants in the audience so they're not just random people that they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're interviewing you know they don't just happen to put up their hand or pick someone but uh, they had the two press guys and the uh, Ian yeah, yeah, what was yeah. your man's name Ian something or Ian Doherty and oh, they had the other guy um, Crawford yeah, what yeah. a pile of shite they talked you know yeah well um, Michael Crawford I think it was uh, afterwards he said I'm, I'm sorry because he got he got all his facts right, wrong, you know, and the, the, thing, the thing about it is, like, a journalist especially should do his facts before he do, yeah. does it. Like that other asshole, what's his name? My, my fin, buddy. Fintan O'Toole. Finbar. <laughs> Finbar O'Toole. <laughs> well, when, when fin, Finbar was uh, on the show, Fintan was on the show, he, 
he made very terrible mistakes. Mm. Like uh, when he wrote the article about the Wolf Tones, he said that, that the helicopter escape was from Mount Jai. Okay. Uh, not from Mount Jai, from the, the Crumlin Road Jail in Belfast. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. he's a journalist, gone through this, a historic moment. He, he, he's written books about uh, 1916, he probably copied them. Oh, that's only recently. Isn't yeah, it? I yeah, see he's, he's, he's been a lot of documentaries. And I'm going, why did they have this fool on? Like he doesn't. He's no more interest in it. You know, he's just trying. Yeah, to make yeah. A book. Well, you know, yeah. do anything for money. Yeah. You know, that's what he is. He's yeah. a he's a guy that's trying to make a living. But he, he might be trying to make a living, but he wants to stop everybody else. Mm. Believe me, but don't believe anybody else. And nobody else has a right of expression. He's a kind of a know-all guy and a guy that thinks he's smarter. I'm better than anybody else. He thinks he knows everything about everything. Mm. And this type of guy knows nothing about nothing because he's trying to know everything. Yeah. You can't do that. You have to specialize in one thing or another. Yeah. That's the way it is today. So for anyone that hasn't seen it, you can find it on YouTube. Just type in... Uh yeah, Wolf Tones and Fintano 2. Fintano You could type in uh, Wolf Tones on an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> Maybe you might find that better. Yeah, but what it's what true. I must tell you this story. I um, We were playing over in New Jersey, and uh, these two guys came up to me, you know, uh, after the show. So we, we enjoyed the show. It was great. Two American kids, like, yeah. you know. And he said, uh, he said uh, we're going to... Um, can't remember the college now. It's in Rudiger College, I think it is. Oh, Rudiger, yeah. 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 And uh, he says, uh, we're doing journalism. And he says, guess who we have as one of our teachers there? I said, no. He said, Fintan Oh, God. <laughs> Lucky them. Yeah. So I, I, I proceeded to ask them how did they feel about him. And they asked me the same, and I told them exactly what I said, that, that he was a poor journalist, he never researched properly, <laughs> and all that kind of thing. And uh, I asked them, and they said, <laughs> they put them out like he puts them with the lip gum away. So they, they weren't uh, fully... I said, um, i tell you what to do. I said, I'm going to give you a headband. <laughs> and I said, when you see him tomorrow morning... <laughs> Given the headband from Brian Warfield. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to wear it for the rest of the day. <laughs> you make his day. <laughs> well, that's the way it goes. But uh, yeah, it's funny how life goes around. You, you know, it always comes back, doesn't it? It does, yeah. yeah. He thought he was being smart, and I don't think it done him any good in the end. No, but the argument that you put across was very well formed, and you definitely came out. A lot on top of someone that you know was well prepared to ambush you before you went into it. So. Yeah, well, it wasn't the first time you'd been ambushed by RTE. Yeah. And then fail him doing your plant. Yeah, your... <laughs> fail him doing the plant. Yeah. Yeah. Done a good job too. He did, yeah. You know, he spoke very well. He did, yeah. 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 No, Phelan's always a confident person um, in front of a mic. So uh, we're in. We're forty minutes in that, and I know you're getting tired. So we're going to call that a wrap. Um, for this week's episode The Galway Races and uh, thanks again for listening and if you've enjoyed the show and you're enjoying the show don't uh, forget to 
give us a recommendation to friends, family, or give us a like on Facebook, um, Instagram, or Twitter. And uh, we also, if you would like to ask any questions of either myself or my dad, the email address for the show is the rambling, no, ramblingirish at outlook.ie. So just ramblingirish at outlook.ie. So we play out with the Galway races by the Wolf Tones from the 1965 album The Foggy Dew. Uh, and uh, thanks again for listening. Bye bye.